Welcome to Go Into All the World. Our host is Gary Griffinhagen with Manny Rodriguez as co-host. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. We pray this program is a blessing and encouragement to you today. Well, hey, thanks for joining us today. So, Gary, what are we going to be talking about today? Well, man, we're going to start. Uh, we, we, have, we have been teaching from 2 Corinthians 4 and 5. Okay. But today, I want to start with Ephesians 6, and, and we'll kind of go back to 2 Corinthians 5. Um, Ephesians 6, you know, we talk about putting on the armor of God. And to me, a good question is, why do we put on the armor? You ever thought about that? And, and that's a good question right there. I was just going to ask you that. Uh, a question is, why do we put on the armor? Well, in my understanding, and I think we'll see it in the verses, believers put on the armor of God so they can stand. Mm-hmm. And we're going to look at this in a few quotes from chapter 6. And I'll start at verse 10. I'm just going to read for a minute. Okay. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Mm-hmm. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand an evil day and having done all to stand. And then verse 14, stand therefore. So to me, these verses may speak clearly that we have an enemy, not necessarily a physical one, but a spiritual one, if you would. But we have a force or maybe forces that come against us, and they try to trick us, they try to deceive us, they use wiles, they use deception again, and they're just trying to, so to speak, get us off track or pull us away. And again, we know that they're the rulers of this current age. Absolutely. So understanding to stand, because he starts in the beginning uh, uh, that you may be able to stand, and he goes on to say, do all to stand, right? He goes, stand therefore. Right, you're right. You may be able to stand. Then to stand, and then like you say, therefore, now stand. If you've done this stuff, you put on armor, you've taken these steps, now stand really? therefore. So so understanding to stand is very important. It is, it is. Um, and when we talk with verse 14 and verses 14 through 17, they, they include, if you want to call it that, like a list of each item and what their purpose is, like having our waist girded about with truth that we have the blood when we put on the breastplate of righteousness so we're not going to go through all this today but if you want to see those if somebody wants to see what are the shoes shod what about this what about that they're in verses 14 through 17. right so we we are the righteousness of god in christ let's make that clear in christ that we we are righteous so we know that we have and are righteous a truth that is girded about us amen it is and i i mentioned I think I mentioned before in the program in the famous minister that he was kind of brought up in a legalist system right. and he had to kind of pretty much go down and repent every Sunday and, <laughs> you know, make sure there's nothing missing or whatever. And he went to a Bible study. He said, there's a bunch of like long hairs there. It was back in the day. <laughs> they told him, hey, we're the righteousness of God in Christ. I believe it's 2 Corinthians 5, 17. And he went home and he, he saw it in the Bible and he said, they're right. But he still, because of the legalistic background, he just couldn't work through it. So he went and he looked in the mirror as he said it, and he said, we're the righteousness of God in Christ. And man, he said the hair on the back of his head stood up. Wow. Because he was afraid God was going to smite him wow. and smoke him right there in the spot for not being a, quote, sinner or something. Right. And you know what's so powerful about that is that I know for me, 
when I begin to see myself, when you see these these uh, elements, if you want to say, or the, the yeah. breastplate uh, of the armor of God, and you begin to stand and see yourself. Right. Come on. You stand and see yourself with the armor of God. It's like, wow. Okay. I can stand. Gary can stand. Manny can stand. Fulano de Tal in Spanish can stand. Right. Anybody can stand. But you, right. you want to see yourself with that. You want to see Manny is the person that's standing. Gary is the person that's standing. A lot of times we think well, it's all God or it's all Jesus. Well, it is through us. But if we're not standing, okay, it doesn't matter. We're running the other way. Well, God is not going to be able to do anything because we're not standing. And, and like we said, he's forced us out. Or right. Like, and like we said earlier that we are the righteousness of God in Christ. Right. So it is Christ that we're standing. Christ is in us, the hope of glory. So when we're standing, yes, we're standing. We see ourselves as that. But it's Christ already, the shield of right. Come on, we're going to preach now. <laughs> we always get a little preaching. <laughs> well, listen, I, I mentioned that verses 14 through 17 kind of lists the armor that we're to put on. But if we look in verse 18, to me, there's one last piece of Christian armor, and it's prayer. Right. And I don't remember, Manny, ever having much teaching in my life beyond this. Most people kind of go up to verse 17 and kind of stop. Right. And I'm just excited to kind of look at this today. And see that prayer is just another piece of the armor. As I kind of went through verses 18 and 19, I'm going to bring that up here in the show. I kind of outlined some points that I saw in verses 18 and 19. And again, I've rarely ever heard teaching on. And I want to share them today and talk about why prayer is, so to speak, part of our armor. And what are some different things when we say prayer? Well, verse the first one it mentions is you want to pray always. Okay, so always we want to be prayed up and be praying. And it's not like we pray 24-7, but before I leave the house, when I get up in the morning, before I go to a different, if you want to go from, I'm going from work, I'm going to go to the store, I might pray a little bit. Just just try to be ready. Next thing, uh, another point, it says use prayers and supplications. My understanding means these are different kinds of prayers. Sometimes we're going to do petitions, Sometimes we're going to do petitions for intercession. Sometimes we're going to do prayers of agreement. And there's just various kinds of prayers. Mm -hmm. On number three, we want to pray in the Spirit. To me, that means you pray as you're directly led by the Holy Spirit, whether it be in English or tongues or your native language, um, or try to get in an atmosphere, get in His presence, you know, humble yourself, settle yourself, not be, to me, kind of jerky and around, just kind of slow down. And I want to be in that presence. Next thing, I, and I really like this point. I think it says be watchful. Mm-hmm. To me, that means be vigilant, be alert, be aware as we pray. And I'm going to just quickly share a story. I actually came back, you know, from the dentist on my way down here. I was going down, coming here from the dentist. And how I got the dentist appointment is I had to have a root canal. And they referred me to somebody, my, my own dentist. But when I called them up, they said to us, well, Gary, we're out of network. You have a certain, you know, plan. We're out of network. It's going to cost you a little bit more, like if you want to call it copay. They gave me some names of other people. I started to call the other people, Manny. And the first person I called was highly recommended. But somehow when I called, the call didn't go through. I called back. They mm-hmm. couldn't hear me. And all of a sudden, something inside of me went, something's wrong. Mm-hmm. And I prayed about it for a day or so. But initially, as soon as I had that sense that something was wrong, that's to me where you're like vision. You're alert. Right. Because the Holy Spirit, I, in my mind, was showing me something's wrong. So I went on and prayed for a day. And I thought, you know what? I'm going back to that first dentist, even if it's going to cost more. 
and they give you like a little flex card. So I could put some of the copay on that or maybe all of it. But I just felt my spirit, I'm not going to go to a different dentist. And it's kind of, you know, or a different antidontist technically to do a root canal. But you know what? Somebody from Humana called me, just kind of out of the clear, clear blue sky. They were, they called, we're concierge. I just got involved with Humana about a week and a half, two weeks ago. And they said, you know, let me look up this antidontist. And many, they looked them up. And they said, this antidontist is actually in network. Oh, antidontist, they just didn't know. So the lady, okay, it's concierge lady, calls the dental office, talks to this girl, and says, you know, we think you're in network. And she said, well, I'm pretty new. I don't really know all the, the details. Right. But she said, you know what? Tell, tell Mr. Griffin Hagen, you know, to come over here. We're not going to charge him any copay. Mm. Just tell him to come in. And we're going to figure this out. Well, they since figured it out that, yes, these people are in network. Mm -hmm. And it's going to come out to a very good deal. And that happened to be right next door to my dentist. Right. So that little quickening of the Holy Spirit, that I was vision of the Lord. And until I say it's I, he just, he just kind of does something. Right. It made me stay with this antidontist. And now it's working out for good. And I'm not going to have to pay extra. Because these good. people are actually kind of thrilled. They've been turning away work. We're like, well, we could have made more money. Oh, wow. So praise God. And the last, the last point here again is, it says pray for all, of all saints. And to me, that means pray for the people in our sphere, maybe somebody in your heart, in your mind, you know, maybe you have some group of people from church, you, you know, right. have a church of 200, you couldn't possibly pray for 200 on a regular basis. Okay. And so pick out five or 10 that you kind of associated with or know, or obviously if we hear of a special need, that's different. But I think, and we've gone on to verse 19 then, so this is kind of in verses 18 a little bit. We see that in verse 19 that Paul was praying or mentioning pray for a specific person. Uh, sorry, a specific purpose. And here's what he said. Pray for all and pray for me mm -hmm. that utterance may be given me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in Christ that I may speak it boldly as I ought to speak. Well, so let's think about that. This is another case or another reason that we should really be ready to share our faith with people. Paul was saying this, you put this armor on so you can stand, and then part of the armor is prayer. And for me, I want you to pray because I'm an ambassador. I'm in change, and he was locked right. up in the jail. But I want to speak boldly, mm. and he says, as I ought to speak. Mm. So he knew, and I've right. many it's the same for all believers. God wants us to share our faith. God wants us to testify. This is the first time you do it, maybe you're a little scared, a little shaky, whatever. But eventually you realize, no, this I'm talking about God. I'm talking about what he's done in my life. And I'm probably talking to somebody that's not saved. Right. And you know what? He wanted to preach. Well, he wanted to preach. <laughs> and he, he wanted to preach boldly as he should, like he says, right? So Paul's constantly absorbed with preaching the gospel, the good news. You know, one of the secrets for prayer, for prayer, I said this last week, is Thanksgiving. Amen. And I think that Paul went in thanking God for the result because he knew he could do it boldly. You know, that's a wonderful point. And I think that for me, I know the first few times I shared, the first few times I prayed, like in a restaurant, I was kind of shy about it and stuff. And you're right. We should be bold about this. We're talking about the God of heaven and earth. We're praying to the God of heaven and earth. Although some people are in some situations or maybe some parts of society he may not seem real. He may not seem good, whatever. But we know that he's real. We know that he is. So we want to pray boldly. 
not kind of, you know, override people or make right. feel, you know, right. well, you don't know anything. I'm going to kind of run you over. <laughs> but again, we want to pray boldly. And again, as you said, Manny, it says in the scripture, as he knew he should, as he ought to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's go back. I kind of go back right now to 2 Corinthians 4 and 5. And I want you to think about some of the points that are some of these, level, I'm going to call snippets from these scriptures. Okay. And think about them in light of evangelizing and teaching. So here we go. Here's some just, just little snippets from different verses in Corinthians 4 and 5 or 2 Corinthians 4 and 5. One, we have this ministry. Mm. Two, we handle the world truthfully. Three, we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. Four, we are bondservants. Mm. Five, God commanded the light to shine out of the darkness. Six, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the powers of God, not of us. Next, we are hard-pressed, but not crushed. Mm. Then we believed, so we spoke. Then we do not lose heart, even if our outer body is perishing or slowing down. Next, though longing for heaven, we are confident here in our body. Mm. And to me, almost every verse shows that evangelizing, sharing the gospel with others, and teaching others, generally believers, obviously, but teaching others, both of these are very paramount in all these little snippets, and they're paramount to me, to our faith. And I always encourage people, I would encourage you daily that you should be talking with other people, and possibly daily, that's a little bit much, but obviously during the week, you should be engaging with others. And I know God wants us, again, that's what we say, go into all the world, engage with others. If it's unbelievers, okay, try to witness if it's others that are saved, you know, a Manny, a friend, right? You know, a Jeff or somebody from your church, talk with them so that you can build them up and you can edify. Right. You know, the one of the snippets that kind of jumped out at me, in, in, as you were reading, Gary, is that we are hard pressed but not crushed. And, and, and basically, what that means is that hard pressed. What does that mean? The pressures of life. Right. Pressures of right. work friendship or church or whatever it is that you're being hard pressed about, but you're not going to be crushed because the Holy Spirit, God himself will come, I guess you could say to the rescue rescue. or or to show you or to teach you, Hey, you're not crushed, dude. You're being pressed. Yes. But you're not going to be not going to be crushed and just kind of like abandoned, if you would, right. it's like in a hole that you can't get out. Right, right. God's not going to abandon you just because you messed up or whatever. Right. Or just, just repent. And sometimes it's, you have to repent if you've done it. And sometimes we just get the circumstances of life. You know, Paul in another place mentioned the pressures of ministry. There's pressures from within, right? you know, in our minds and this and stress, but there's also pressures from without. People ask them things, maybe people following through, not following through like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that you mentioned that about being hard-pressed and not crushed. Because these verses that I, the snippets that I shared, they talk about evangelism or teaching, or they talk about things like you're hard pressed, but you're not crushed. Right. Don't lose heart. Be renewed. Right. Okay. So again, much of this purpose for us, if you want to call it stand, okay, is so we can evangelize. We can open our mouth, unlike Paul, we can boldly make known the mystery of the gospel. Again, for which... He and we, so he and we, we are ambassadors. We know the we won't get to it today, but the end of Second Corinthians five, it says God 
has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Right. We are his ambassadors. Mm -hmm. And you know, maybe the more I think about it, as I think about what an ambassador, it represents a country. Right. And again, if you're if you're out with people and you're from the kingdom of God, you're representing the kingdom of God. And you right. want to call or you want to, so to speak, if you want to say portray that kingdom in a good way. And obviously, if you're talking to people that are not saved, they don't even know the kingdom of God. They might not even be aware of it at all. So we want to make known that so they can hear that. So again, as you listen to these things, we want to encourage you. you know, don't let the devil, don't let tell you you can't share, you don't know enough, you're too shy, you're too whatever, they won't listen or whatever. Don't be deceived by his wild. Mm -hmm. The Bible says we're going to be victorious, you know, in right. every situation, okay? So we want to, so to speak, focus on these things so we can stand, and like we said earlier, we can preach or teach. Amen. You know, like you was, you was there. I, I just remembered something. You know, in, in the act of surrendering, when you throw your hands up, is also the same sign for victory. I, that's true, isn't it? You know, <laughs> when, when, the, when the football team scores a touchdown, touchdown, yeah, touchdown. Victory, right, right, right. And so we have a touchdown with God every time. You know, I, that's that's so exciting and so important. And again, part of the program, we just encourage you to go into all the world so your touchdowns are not like once or twice a year or even once or twice a month. How would it be if you had a touchdown once or twice a week or once or twice every couple of days? And I believe, fully believe that God wants that to happen in every believer's life, you know. Mm -hmm. There's not just, you know, a certain portion of people. Now, if you're a true evangelist or something, that might be like a Billy Graham type person. But yeah. for the majority of us, he just wants us to share in the context, in the day-to-day -day life, in the day-to-day -day walk. And I think it's important that people understand. Let's look at some things from Matthew to see how God, or I'll say the life of Jesus, mm -hmm. is exactly correlating to what we're talking about here. Um, we need to spend time in the Word and prayer and stuff like that, but then we need to engage ourselves with others. And most of our life is spent out with the public, you know, family, friends, acquaintances, co-workers, maybe somebody at the store or something like that. But again, if we come back to Jesus' life, I'm going to pull out a few scriptures from Matthew and I want you to think about these today, okay? Because we're going to see that a lot of times he preached to thousands, okay? Big crowds or whatever, and I'm assuming thousands, it probably was. But then on his way to the next place or the next city, something happened. Right. Here's a couple examples. Um, Matthew 8, 1 through 3. Jesus finished teaching on the mount and came down. Many followed him, and on the way a leper came, worshipped him, and asked to be cleansed, be healed. So he had just left thousands. He's going somewhere else, and a leper comes up. Verse 8, I'm sorry, 8, 5 through 7. Jesus entered Capernaum, which is kind of the next area of his ministry. And as he's going in, a centurion comes up to him, pleading for his servant. Jesus was going to go to the guy's house, but the centurion said, just speak the word. Just speak the word. And on his way to minister in Capernaum, somebody came up and asked for a need. All right? As you get into town, verse, uh, or chapter 8, verse 14, Jesus entered Peter's house. Peter's wife, if you remember, was sick. I think she had like a fever or something like that. And Jesus healed her. So again, on his way, he, so to speak, ministers. Now listen to this one. This is basically starting in 818. Jesus saw great multitudes, gave a command 
to depart to the other side, you know, go across the lake, he told the disciples. And a certain scribe approached him. The scribe said he would follow Jesus, okay? But Jesus said, hey, foxes and birds have their homes, but I have nowhere to lay my head, or he had nowhere to lay his head. So he's telling the guy, let's, let's just go, but you got to understand, we're just going to go. We're not, we're not like, <laughs> a place to like lay down every night. Another disciple said, I want to go with you, but let me bury my father first. And of course, Jesus said, follow me and let the dead bury the dead. And so again, he saw great multitudes. He's going to go to the other side. All right. But then two people come up to him and start talking. Verse 8, 28, due to the multitude, Jesus has said, go to the other side. When he got to the other side, and we kind of remember the trip in the boat and Peter walking on water. As he got to the other side, there met him two demon-possessed men mm. coming out of the tombs. Jesus dealt with them. We kind of remember the story. He dealt with them and set them free. Mm -hmm. They went back to the city, told the city what had happened. The city got spooked. Uh, to me, it's kind of an odd thing because they actually came out to Jesus and said, hey, get out of our town. Now, if I saw some people healed like that, I don't think I'd want to kick Jesus out, but we're right. on the old back of the story. All right, so let's go to uh, Matthew 9.1. Jesus departed as he left that area. He took a boat to his own city, and as he gets out, he's met by a paralytic brought in by others, the guy that was kind of lowered down from the roof. Right. And we know that Jesus healed him. And guess what? The multitude saw that, and they glorified God. They were just marveled, if you would, they marveled at what had happened. Mm. Now, okay, Jesus, okay, left the paralytic in the crowd. So he's just, again, there's a crowd, there's a paralytic. He's going on his way. He sees a tax collector and said, hey, follow me. So the tax collector named Matthew followed him. So to me, this illustration, and you tell what you think, Manny, but we see Jesus in meetings. We see Jesus going from one place to the other. He was teaching with crowds. He was laying on hands and stuff. But as he went, people came up and talked with him or said they had a need. Right. And in my understanding, that's exactly what I'd like to see. You're like you and I to encourage the others. And I know many, many of my stories, you know, here I'm passing out tracts and I pray for a woman. I'm walking into bank to say hi, and all of a sudden I'm ministering to a Christian sister. I'm listening to music set at an ice cream place, and suddenly I'm asked to pray, and a girl gets set free. Mm. I'm at a Bible study. I finish the study, call my wife. I'm ready to go home. As I walk out the door, this person grabs me and says, hey, would you come pray for my mother? Mm. There's a way to walk a few blocks. It was a winter, by the way. We went a few blocks, and by the way, that lady got healed. The mother got healed. It was just wonderful. So again, as I'm going on my way, I'm in a recognized. I was at a restaurant, somebody recognized. Mm -hmm. Hey, would you come pray for so-and-so? Yeah, okay. I'm in a convenience store. This angel yells at me, switch lines. Okay? Oh, uh, I'm just getting the soda. I'm not doing anything fancy. Mm -hmm. But the angel yells at me, switch lines, because there's a young LDS girl that clerking at the other side that I got a chance to share with. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure, Manny, you, your stories were exactly the same. They happened as you went. Right. It wasn't, again, some Billy Graham crusade or some outreach from your church. You have these things, but then as you go, things happen. Things happen. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, I do what I see my father doing. Amen. And us as God's children, are we doing what we see our father doing in the scripture? Manny, I think that's very convicting. I'm, I think I'm, you know what I, I mean? want to be careful. <laughs> no. 
It is. It's true. And the more that we see these people, I, I've actually been meditating on this, Manny, is that these people that came up to Jesus, like the people that come to you, yeah. the people that come, they're hurting. They're hurting. There's people in the world that are hurting. Save, even save people and unsaved. They need somebody like you say, this is what God's doing. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing God do this. I'm seeing God want to touch a life. I'm going to do, okay, like you said, what the Father's doing, exactly what Jesus mm -hmm. said. So we can do these kinds of things. I don't think we have time for any more stories right now, but think about, can you do exactly what Jesus, is, so to speak, did and what Manny and I are encouraging you to do? Go your way. Go to a service. Go to your church service. But on your way, talk to a cashier. Talk to a clerk. Mm -hmm. Minister to a neighbor. Minister to a friend. Think about these things today. Well, thank you so much for joining us. God bless you. We hope you have a great week. And hope to see you next week as we go into all the world.